Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. This is Lit Poetry, and I'm James Laidler, Australian poet and writer and your host. In this episode, we take a look at Lewis Carroll's nonsensical poetry masterpiece, Jabberwocky, and ask just how important the role of sound is within a poem. So let's take a listen. Jabberwocky. Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wave. Or mimsy were the borogoves and the mome-wraths outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird, and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the manxome foe he sought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the Jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffling through the tulgy wood, and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through, the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head, he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O frabjous day, Kalukalay, he chortled in his joy. Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the mome wraths outgrabe. So I'd like to begin by talking about the historical and literary context of the poem. Jabberwocky falls under the category of nonsense literature. Broadly defined, nonsense literature employs poetic elements that both help and impede meaning. Nonsense literature is well known for its quirky and humorous flourishes of poetic expression. Jabberwocky clearly fits within this genre. While its regular form and metre imbue it with the hallmarks of your traditional ballad, the actual words in the poem hinder readers from understanding everything about what's going on. The poem thus remains mysterious and somewhat absurd, but that's part of the charm of the poem and part of its power. In my own mind, Jabberwocky uses words in an almost magical way that somehow cast a spell over you as the reader. And this is particularly achieved by the poem's careful attention to how words sound, often preferring words for their audible and musical qualities alone, rather than for their literal meaning. Lewis Carroll pioneered the genre of nonsensical literature in the mid-19th century and is best known for his nonsensical work Through the Looking Glass, 
which tells the story of Alice's adventures in Wonderland. Added to this, his most famous collection of poetry is actually titled A Book of Nonsense, which likely inspired the whole genre's name. A notable poet influenced by Carol was T.S. Eliot, who is more associated with the modernist tradition rather than with nonsense poetry explicitly. In a lecture, though, entitled The Music of Poetry, Eliot highlighted the influence that Carol had on his own more seriously orientated work. Eliot's writing, experimental in its own right, like Carol, often made use of playfulness in language. Indeed, ever since Carol, poets have become vastly more willing to showcase humour and linguistic experimentation in their work. And this is part of Carol's ongoing legacy to the world. So I now want to discuss one of the central themes in Jabberwocky, namely the conflict between good and evil. Amidst the playful language of Jabberwocky lies a seemingly simple tale of good versus evil. A son embarks on a quest to kill a fearsome beast, the Jabberwock, before returning victorious to his father. Yet, while upon first reading the poem points to the triumph of good over evil, the repetition of the first stanza in the final stanza implies the victory of good is less certain. On the contrary, this repetition insinuates that the hero's victory has had little bearing on the rest of this world. If correct, then perhaps the poem asserts that the struggle against evil is never concluded, as threats are always lying in wait. The hero's father warns him at the start to beware three mysterious monsters, the Jabberwock, the Jubjub Bird, and the Bandersnatch. The repetition of beware before each one creates anticipation of these strange dangers and indicates that they are worth fearing despite their comical names. On the level of sound, the short, hard, consonant sounds in words like claws, catch, shun, and snatch, as in bandersnatch, are are coarse and hostile to the ear, perhaps not unlike the things they are actually describing, and this is creative writing of the highest order. Yet despite this language, readers don't have a clear idea of what these beasts look like in the flesh, nor why the hero is instructed to beware them. Their scary potential is uncertain, and it is exactly this uncertainty which makes them so frightening. In this sense, Carol is connecting evil to a fear of the unknown, which is perhaps harder to defeat than a physical monster we can actually visualise. Even though Carol describes the Jabberwock as having eyes, jaws, claws and a head, 
readers still have an incomplete picture in their mind. Instead, Carol relies on these simple bodily fragments to create his terrible beast. The fact that the Jabberwock remains visually mysterious allows readers' imaginations to spiral out of control, perhaps coming up with something far more terrifying than anything Carol could ever specifically describe. Once again, the threat or anticipation of an unknown evil is perhaps the most frightening thing about it. And here, Carol is pointing to an important human tendency at play in our world. Just think about how that relates to society today. After all, isn't it often those whispered about unseen things like conspiracy theories that people end up getting so fearful about? In such cases, it is the lack of having a complete picture that fans the flames of paranoia in people. QAnon is a good case in point today, but think also about the whispers circulating about Jewish people in Germany before and during the Second World War. Carol here is perhaps showing us how it is indeed the unknown mystery of the other, like those who come from different cultures, that so often increase the feelings of fear in a group of people and fill them with the violent desire to vanquish the perceived threat. By the end of the poem, while the specific quest undertaken in the poem may be resolved with the Jabberwock's death, we are left to wonder if another threat, perhaps the Frumius Bandersnatch, could be waiting. Even at the point of conflict resolution, we are left uncertain about the presence of evil. Is the story really over? Or is there something else we should beware? The use of nonsense within storytelling structures is another important thematic focus in this poem and brings us back to the question of the important role that pure, unadulterated language plays within a work of literature, even when that language seems a bit like gobbledygook. In Jabberwocky, Carol combines a familiar form and narrative with a very unfamiliar language. Most of his invented words have meanings and readers can learn about some of their meanings by reading through the looking glass and what Alice found there. But nonetheless, the initial effect of these weird words within the poem is one of confusion and nonsense. In most cases, readers can't fully make sense of a poem if they do not know all the words. But by organising his language in the form of a ballad as well as by framing his tale as a traditional heroic quest, Carroll suggests that it's very possible to imbue nonsensical language with meaning simply through context. And thereby, Lewis is highlighting the power of language to communicate beyond exact literal meaning. Of course, we intuitively know this already. Language contains undercurrents of layered meaning that comes to us in multiple modes. In human communication, for example, body language, tone, volume, 
and the rhythm of our speech all play important roles when we interpret the words a person says, which can drastically change in meaning and impact. Think about the connotations words can have. Nonsensical language can also make familiar stories seem humorously strange, and this allows Carol to gently poke fun at or more generously breathe life into cliched adventure stories. This is the hero's journey which so dominates the narratives in our society today. Think about all of the superhero stories people are addicted to. The hero who, against the odds, rids the world of evil in a quest to return the world back to order. Here, Carol illustrates how even through the use of absurd language we can understand a story because it represents an archetype that humans use to make sense of their world. Overall, the heroic quest is a tried and true plot, which allows readers to fill in what they don't understand with their imaginations. An example of this occurs in the fifth stanza when the hero's vorpal blade goes snicker-snack, after which the jabberwock dies and the hero goes galumping back. We know that these words describe a fight scene between the hero and the jabberwock, even without knowing the words of vorpal, snicker-snack or galumping. We can make an educated guess about their meaning because of the common narrative of heroes battling monsters. We can also make educated guess in discerning what the words actually mean. For example, galumping kind of sounds like a combination of galloping and triumphant all at the same time, suggesting the hero's happy, quick return. Indeed, a good exercise is to take the words you don't know in this poem that seem to be made up and ask which two words Carol may have been trying to combine or distill together. Take Mimsy, for example, which could be a combination of minuscule and whimsical. Now, before I leave you, I really want to finish by telling you just how much I love this poem, and I really hope you do too. As a poet myself, I just love the way Carol creates sonic soundscapes that use poetic techniques like assonance, consonance, onomatopoeia, zajura, and an iambic rhythm to take your emotions on that rollicking adventure through a strange, mysterious land. It is pure magic. So let's have one final listen, shall we? And if you're interested in taking a look at the video of this poem, check out the Lit Poetry page on YouTube, read by Simon Jackson. See you next time. Jabberwocky Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borogoves and the mome-wraths outgrave. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird, and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the manxome foe he sought. 
So rested he by the tum-tum tree, and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the Jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffling through the tulgy wood, and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through, the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head, he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O frabjous day, kaloo kalay, he chortled in his joy. Twas brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the mome wraths outgrabe. You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.